Right, gang? You like to watch new stuff, right? I mean, who doesn't? I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama, a new season of The Kardashians starring the Kardashians, of course, and Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 316, episode 2 of Your Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness, and it's Tuesday, December 5th, Mm -hmm. 2023. You know what that is? Of course I know what that is, Miles. Oh, because it was real sneaky. I didn't want to sneak up on you because it's International Ninja Day. That's right. Which I'm like, that did not come from Japan. But shout out to oh. all the people who buy those graphic oh, button-up shirts at a mall kiosk who love oh, ninjas. When you, Google, when you Google International Ninja Day, first of all, it tells you what day what day it is. I was assuming this was one where it's like, well, there are like three different International Ninja Days. But no. <laughs> right. And one of the things that you can do, how to celebrate... Train in the art of ninjutsu. Oh. But also, watch a ninja movie, and one of the ninja movies they recommend is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. (laughs) So Very, very, yes. Very very authentic. Very authentic, culturally relevant. I love that kind of visibility for all of us. Uh, Also, it's bathtub party day. I think that's just like for, you know, your babies. You know, bathe them in the bathtub and have a little bit of a party. It's also World Trick Shot Day. It's National Repeal Day, meaning the repeal of uh, Prohibition. World Soil Day, shout out to Soil, and also cr- soil. it's Krampus Nacht. Uh oh. Yeah, that's when Krampus, the evil Santa, right? evil Santa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is when he, I guess, this is when he punishes the children. I get anytime Nacht comes up, I'm just like, uh oh. Yeah, you're like, not a good historical context. <laughs> wait, 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 where are you going with that? Where are you going with that? Oh, okay, it's a made up evil Santa. Uh, and also, it's I don't know what this is, but National Soccer Tort Day. It's like a cake that looks like a chocolate cake, but I don't know what yeah. that is. Huh. So the, with, with regards to the bathtub party, one time my wife and I had a <laughs> leak in our party. home, t- tiny home in Santa Monica, mm-hmm. and we had somebody come out and look at it. And I think he thought we were like a landlord or like somebody who was like selling it. He didn't think we were the people who lived there. And he came to me and took me aside and was like, look, man, I don't know what these people have been doing, but I think they've been having whoopee parties in the bathroom. <laughs> and I was like, I'm, I, that's me. And uh, that is correct. <laughs> I don't know what whoopee parties are, but I just, I love the idea of what whoopee parties. How whoopee old was parties. this? Was this a character this like from the, the 60s, Andy Griffith show? Yeah. yeah. But so that just means like swingers? Is that what that means? Like you yeah, just having be. sex parties in the, or in the bathroom? In or the you tiny, have a, tiny bathroom. Or are you making like the confectionery delight a whoopie pie? And they're like, yeah. they got a whole factory line. You're making <laughs> whoopie pies, you know? It's, uh, yeah. They're doing it in here. But it, it turned out that we just didn't have a proper seal over the toilet. <laughs> so like, <laughs> it is horny, lonely. The subject of today's of today's episode, lonely imagination, went immediately to just like giant bathroom orgies. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's the same way we were talking the other day about how when people were first discovering dinosaur bones, the guy was just like, yeah, that's a scrotum, not a bone <laughs> of a gigantic dinosaur. A scrotum of a giant human. 
Yeah. Like he had to come up with a whole new type of human that he's like, <laughs> yeah, what you're looking at there is the scrotum of a giant. <laughs> and I'm a doctor. And you're like, oh, <laughs> that boy, was a physician. Please let us get to the next century. Anyways, my name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Hot Miles, jacking in the city, Zytomog guys getting dirt and gritty. That is courtesy Ooh. of Andrew at Bohemian Rap City on the Discord. Mm-hmm. City spelled like Citibank because he is officially sponsored by them. And I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. It's Miles Gray, a.k.a. just the man whose body still continues to recover from a gravy-based fantasy. Like I said, I had so much gravy from Thanksgiving. I still have gravy, and I will not throw it away. I will not throw it away. I will use it however I want to. I'll put it on a hot dog. I don't care. Well, gravy, fortunately, gravy doesn't go bad, has never gone bad, in my professional opinion, because I've also never, it's never lasted very long. No, no, no. I'm always at the, man, we already, we're already out of gravy and the end of that equation. (laughs) Exactly. Too quick. Exactly. Well, Miles, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the author of the new book, The Power of Conscious Connection, a Harvard fellow who holds a master's in education and counseling psychology. Welcome to the show, Talia Fox! Talia! Hi! What's going on? How are you? Well, I'm good. I'm thinking about Raphael from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because every time I hear about that, I have this desire for pizza. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not eating it anymore, so thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah, yeah, and every anchovies. time I hear about gravy, I have the I, I want to get some pizza. That's oh, I should try that. Yeah, this is the thing when you have this sauce. much gravy, you can experiment. Yeah, I'll put it on vanilla ice cream. I have not tried that and pretend it's like <laughs> caramel sauce. I might try that. I have enough time to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Last week you were talking about mashed potato pancakes and yeah. using the gravy as syrup. Yeah, exactly. Sounded pretty good to me. Just, I mean, it, yeah, however you want to look at it, you know. But I'm going to chime in here as a little yes. bit of a guru already is if you have too much gravy, this is a time in life we need to let it go. I don't know, Miles, what wow. it's going to take for you to change that behavior. But sometimes in life, if it's overflowing, you need to just let go and surrender. Um, well, Talia, you <laughs> surrender not want to, to our need for gravy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> no, so <laughs> release the need for gravy. Release uh, the need for all of these extra things. Yeah. What I mean, I, I'd hate to show you my garage because you'd be like, wow, you have a lot of paint left over from different house projects. I'm like, no, that's gravy from years past. I will not let them go. Why is the part of your face below your nose so shiny? <laughs> uh, no so, reason. Turkey grease, probably all oh, the rendered <laughs> fat from the gravy. I don't know. I don't know. And then your shirt sleeve becomes translucent as you wipe it. <laughs> yeah, maybe I will. You know what it is? I think it's just like a waste thing, you know. But yeah. the thing is, I'm it's 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 going to be gone within the next thirty six hours. I know this. This I do know. So hmm. I think we'll be okay. Or maybe I get ill and then I have to stop eating it. We'll see. <laughs> all right. Well, Talia, we're going to get to know you a little bit better. In a moment. First, we're telling our listeners just what we're talking about today. We wanted yeah. to have you on. Your new book is at least partially about the loneliness epidemic, which is something that comes up a lot on this show, you know, whether yeah. it be health statistics or just how we're feeling <laughs> generally, <laughs> or right. the Surgeon General being like, there is a acute crisis, which he has recently kind of announced. Not cute. Not a cute crisis, ah, but okay. an acute crisis. Got it. Intense. It's not one of those adorable crises. <laughs> but so, yeah, we're going to get into that and just how we're, th- how we're thinking about loneliness in this modern era of constant communication. Yeah. And, you know, lots of connection in quotes, but lots of interpersonal feelings of loneliness But before we get to that bullshit, we do like to ask our guest, Holly, what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? Well, I was going to just share what I searched this morning. I I was just looking up. I I have uh, I had so many family members in my house over the holidays. So I was thinking about I'm always thinking about how I can up my game. And I have this app. It's a money app and it just gives you a bunch of random money to spend. So I got 200K that I just supposed to spend randomly. So I'm already out of money. So I'm going to have to wait to like the next check to come. I, I spent it like in five minutes. It's supposed to take me like a couple of days. So that's wait, <laughs> wait, always... fake money to spend. Yeah, it and gives you, you just fake get money. to be like, this is this is what it would be like. 
Yeah. So the, the concept yeah. is that you the money keeps coming. So you never feel lack. Oh, got right? it. Got it's it. It's kind of like it. the gravy keeps coming. The money keeps coming. So you can let it go. Thank you for putting it in the context of <laughs> gravy for us. Wait, do you get it now, Miles? Do you get yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> Huh. <laughs> the great, so like, imagine I the gotta, gravy. <laughs> like, you just have a spigot in your house. I need to have yeah. an abundance mentality around my gravy rather than yes. a scarcity exactly. mentality that I currently have. Yeah. What, <laughs> Tali, what's something you think is overrated? So, I'm going to get an answer, and if I was live, I'd get tomatoes thrown at me. But this is what I want to be overrated. Sugar and, like, bread. I think it's so good and so amazing, but it really does not make me happy on so many levels. It's it's so fleeting that as you're eating, <laughs> I'm holding up a it's crust so of bread that I just ate. Jack is so, like, and I've been eating. Like, <laughs> let me dip it in my bowl of sugar now. Right. Like you were saying. <laughs> oh my it's gosh! So like, true though, man. Oh, I'm yeah. off sugar and flour. My brain. I, I'm kind of sad about this. I tell you, my brain works so much better. I'm so much more productive. Oh, I have so much more God. energy. It's like all those things. But I have this little voice in my head that's just like, oh, you know, have a good time. Just have a little bit. And it's every yeah. time I just don't feel that great after. So I don't know. You know, Robin Sharma says he's a leadership guy. He says you know everything in moderation, including moderation. But some things I've just had to let go. One of them's gravy. <laughs> the other is sugar and flour. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, see, that's all in gravy. That's my problem. I know. You know what I mean? It's all there, and I can't turn my back. Oh, no. And Wait, your gravy you... is very sugary. I've tasted oh, yeah. It, it's, really? it's, <laughs> most people call it maple syrup <laughs> with some turkey bones in it, but I'm telling you, I call it gravy, baby. Wait, Jack, yeah. you don't feel... You, I know you were... You, what's your... You, you, get, you, get, you eat a lot of bread, and you... Or is your digestive system? Because like I know yeah. people who have definitely digestive issues when it comes to foods like that. But I wasn't. I, I didn't just, know that. What about you? So I started doing the intermittent fasting. Like after hearing Ify Wadi Way, a friend of the show, talk about it for five years, I was eventually <laughs> like, maybe I. And also, like I, had, I talked to the thing that finally made it make sense to me is they were like, look, you don't have to like focus on what you eat if you just like fo- like stick to these rules every like you know, not, not every day, but like a a set number of days. And I've found that to be true that like so much of like how I feel and how much energy I have is like really based on how well I'm eating and like how much I'm eating and exactly what Talia said. Like, I hate that. (laughs) Like It (laughs) it makes me so mad. And then like over Thanksgiving holiday, I was like, eating pie after meals for like three straight meals and i just felt like shit like the, mm. there's just too much sugar hitting hitting my uh system all at once and i swear it off and then there's a half a pecan pie in my kitchen and uh, i can't stop myself so yeah i this this resonates I, I will choose to uh believe this after the pecan pie is gone but, yeah right right and <laughs> yeah. you're like now let's get to business kirkland yeah. signature by the way Kirkland Signature Pecan Pie. Oh, the Kirk Siggy Pecan Pie? Yeah, Costco. Kirk Siggs. Yeah, all right, Costco. All right, all right. We did a lot of uh, Thanksgiving shopping at Costco. <laughs> Saving time. What, uh, what's something you think is underrated? I think what's underrated is what people are able to do when they listen to each other and they connect. So just connections. Of course, that's my book, so I'm giving you that answer, but it's mm-hmm. true. Like, I really do feel that we live in a society where it's all about the individual and it's all about what we're doing. But I think we underrate and even undervalue when people collaborate. It's kind of like the, you know, the, the, the Miles and Jack collaboration. It's, it's just the, the beauty of it when it comes together. Something just isn't right with just the solo. You got to see what magic can happen together. So what's, yeah. what do you think is like a way people don't, I mean, like, I totally get that, especially when you know, like you, you're pleasantly surprised when you're like, oh, that thing I worked on, that was actually very, very enjoyable and actually ended up rendering something that was like a good product or whatever it was. But like, what do you, th- you know, where are we missing that, especially do you think in our day to day, like in terms of that collaboration? Because I get obviously doing a show is one way and maybe when you're at work is another. But are there other ways? Because I think when we look at collaboration, we kind of most of the time we're thinking of it in this very sort of like revenue generating yeah. space. But like. How are we missing that too? Like you know, in our in our personal lives, you think? Well, I, I, 
the more self-centered we are, the more we can become mentally unwell because we're stuck in our brains. We've got all these thoughts going on in our brains and we think that they're the only thoughts. We think that they're right. We're creating things and we think our ideas are the best. So when you get kind of stuck in your head, it creates almost this, um, you know, you don't you don't feel well, and you don't feel connected and you use the value of somebody being able to help you think about something or do something differently. It's really the the core of all of our problems. A lot of people, they have lots of challenges. All of us have problems. And if we wanted to solve the problem, many of us are not willing to be open to get help, to listen to somebody else, to, to have that level of flexibility. And so it really ruins a lot of stuff, this kind of bullheadedness. I know what to do. I need to get up and be on my own and go at it alone. And then we start feeling sad and we start feeling lonely and then we start being fake because, every, you know, get that imposter syndrome where you're yeah, walking around you acting like it, yeah. you're so, yeah, you're, you're so great and you're so good. And then you connect with people and you bring your your shadow self or you bring kind of the veil and it, it everything in life just starts getting really squirrely. <laughs> right. I think, yeah, it's like the part I think especially maybe it's probably American culture or especially American like male culture is very much rooted in like not allowing people to see you struggle at all. Yes. So because of that, you would go into things like, I don't need to know how to do this thing. I don't know how to do because I'm not going to ask for help. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I can definitely see how that happens a lot personally for me because I'm my well, yeah, I'm struggling perfectionist. And so the worst thing for a perfectionist is you know, like having people see you struggle. So I totally feel that. Yeah, I, I'm a recovering perfectionist. Oh, good, good. So yeah. I, I think when we ask people for help, there's this guy, there's this kind of feeling that that makes them superior in some way, right? Right. So like if, if somebody else can figure out something in your life that you can't, does that make them superior? So, right. Yeah. But it also depends on who you go to for help is really important. So, right. Rather than someone who's like, oh, Talia, I guess you needed help again. Did you? <laughs> well, right. allow me to help you one more time than someone. Well, who's like, well, well, yeah. look if who it... <laughs> came crawling back <laughs> right. is what I imagine my therapist saying before every one of our <laughs> sessions. <laughs> oh, so you didn't figure it out. Huh? Huh. Huh. Wow. Did you listen to me last week? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> or watch out for people that use the word just. The word oh, just. I that if they the say time. all you have to do it, you just have to do this. You just have to do that. So what it is oh. is they're they're trying to act like, you know, it's it's so easy. And sometimes that word, it's unintentional. If you're if you're listening and you use that word, don't worry. But it's one of those things where if you say, just do this, it's it's life can be hard and it yeah. seems simple, but there's some stuff it takes a while for us to change and to kind of get going so for sure yeah another thing that like we talk about loosely on the show is that i think is connected to this is that a lot of the systems and like our relationship to money and our like how we think about work like i think a lot of it feels very similar to addiction and like replacing human like emotions or like narcissists are our presidents and you know our celebrities in a lot of cases and our our culture like holds them up on a pedestal and i think we're like shaping a lot of the systems that determine our day-to-day -day lives in the image of narcissism and i think that like creates these like addictive cycles and you know a lot of the stuff that we talk about like people in like addiction recovery, talk about how connection is the opposite of addiction. So I just I think there's like a lot of systemic things that are like pushing us in these directions towards like isolation, like towards these values that make it seem like, well, the real thing that you have to focus on, the thing that matters, the thing that is like adult and real is just like making money and finding ways to like work within this system and not and not valuing your connections with other people like the connections with other people more and more in our economy especially in the tech world are like described as friction like you want right. to cut down on the friction of like human interaction to get to like these frictionless systems of like perfect capitalism yeah. where like make this purchase turn it around quickly don't have to see anybody you click the button and then it appears on your front porch a couple weeks later a couple hours later in some cases so it, it's interesting I, th I think one thing that's helpful is to be gentle with ourselves because i think we sometimes hold ourselves up to the standard of like well this wasn't a problem in past 
generations. And first of all, I think a lot of it was a problem, but we are we're also really embedded in these systems that are telling us over and over that like that we should live and have value systems that are are pretty unhealthy and are like kind of really pushing us in these directions. Well, there's a lot of science behind addiction. And this is why connections are very important, because there's a lot of details about this life as human beings that we may not be fully honoring or accepting. And one of those details is that, you know, our brain, we get this fear and there's so many things going on in life that make us scared. And so we use, you know, substances, people, social media, all these things to get our needs met in some way. So we feel we feel bad about something and we, we use that as an addiction. So when you're connected with people, this is why the 12th step in addiction therapy is share it with someone else. There's actually the oxytocin that you get. There's a, there's a chemical reaction that happens and brings you back to more conscious connection. Yeah, it can solve a exactly. whole bunch of problems because addiction, as you were just mentioning, we're addicted to all kinds of things. We're addicted to drama. We're addicted to experiences and it can, our brains are not, it's not selective. Gravy. We just get addicted. Yeah. Gravy, sugar. Yeah. let's just focus on the gravy okay okay Uh, i don't need to be i don't need you coming at me telling me (laughs) jack i trusted you and you know talia i think you're really cool but why did y'all why is this turned to an intervention you know what i mean (laughs) gravy intervention if you try just try it first before (laughs) if if y'all knew the power of it and that guy that that uh cool teenager did come by and say you could try it for free this time when yeah. he gave you the gravy before Thanksgiving. Exactly. Then, exactly. Yeah. He said, bring a friend next time, chump. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> All right. Let's, let's take a quick break and we're going to come back and keep talking about this. We'll be right back. Zeit gang, customers are rushing to your store, but do you have a point of sale system you can trust? Or is it, you know, like a literal POS? Well, you need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Connect with customers inline and online. Look, you want to use TikTok? Well, guess what? They have plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns on platforms just like that. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone. Transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system. Or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Now, I was looking at Shopify.com, and I'm trying to get some answers. Let's say, uh, you know, how to bustling retail business, and I need, you know, maybe uh, some hardware to be able to sell my wares on the street, take credit card payments, whatever. And I know Shopify is easy to use. Half the time I buy something online, I'm like, oh, yep, they're using Shopify. And if you need to learn more, check out their website. It's super easy to navigate, whether you have questions about how you can optimize your inventory or, again, looking for hardware to make sales easier, Shopify.com has all of that. Just go there. Check it out. So sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash TDZ, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash TDZ to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash TDZ. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. You like to watch new stuff, right, Zygang? I know I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring the Kardashians, of course. And season five promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island. And secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu.
And we're back. So at the outset, defining the problem, we'll we'll talk about what the Surgeon, Surgeon General just said, but do we all think there's a loneliness epidemic? Like, what are the signals you see that indicate this is historically abnormal? Because the Beatles did write Eleanor Rigby in the 1960s. And, and they looked at songs, all the lonely people. They talked about all the lonely people. So there were a lot of lonely people back then. That song is always funny to me that like Paul McCartney is just like, <laughs> he's like, no, probably hasn't been alone in like since he was eight years old. It's just like incredibly cool. And he's just like looking out bewildered like David Attenborough, just like, right. What are these lonely people? Because yeah, well, it truly really is like, the lyrics, it's not really I, it's ah, you know, it's ah, look at all the lonely people, which is different than like, I look at all the lonely people and be like, ah, look at all the lonely people. Okay, or, Paul, huh, easy. look at all these fucking lonely people. Anyway, is there a chance we just didn't have a lot of mediums that gave voice to the lonely before and now we have social media and that's that's why we are hearing about the loneliness or that we, we think this is real, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, well, I think. I, I think historically people were lonely, but it was very clear to know if you were lonely. It was defined as the absence of, of people, the absence right. of friends, the absence of family. But, you know, back in the day, and, and I'm not going to define what time period of that is, we were very, we were much more interdependent. You know, everybody had to show up to work. Everybody sort of had to help each other out with their family. You could, survival was was literally hinged on our interdependence. Now we have created a world where we actually can function behind the screen independently. People can be, you know, without interaction physically with people for months at a time. And on top of that, we have this ability to, I, I like to call it, there's a little bit, I think, of a fake epidemic too going on, where we have this ability to create our own avatar and character that doesn't reflect who we really are. And so when we do get around people, because we are we've already put up all of these, you know, we're posting things on social media where we want people to see us in a particular way. So now we don't have outlets to be authentic. And then of course, there's that thing that we all see where if you go to a teenage party these days, or even an adult party, they're all sitting in a circle, not dancing, not talking to each other. And they're literally just taking selfies and posting things on Instagram. So you have them spending two hours together and no one really spent time together. They were, they were still connecting and texting each other right across the room, yeah. <laughs> right, right there live. So, so it's hard to kind of identify, but we feel it. And I think that's where the Surgeon General comes in. And can you believe he said that it's, I think you can, smoking is less impactful than the loneliness epidemic. Um, that it's so all really I heard there is that deal. I can start smoking again. Um, <laughs> hey, say the Surgeon General, hey, if you got some boys you can kick it with, light up a pack, <laughs> right? Exactly. You're good. <laughs> go, go have a smoke sesh with your, with your pals. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, the Surgeon General released a health advisory and it, yeah, it was, it was like, this is a serious smoking. His advice is to like, get back to spending time with people, but like almost like it's a prescription. Like that it's like, look, right. you just have to, like, we need to like spend an hour a, a day, like with other people interacting with them, which makes sense to me because I have this. And I, I want to talk about the, this thing that I think might be more unique to our era than I, I had realized before I started thinking about this and reading your book is like the the dread that I feel before I spend time with people is is weird. And it's it's weird, particularly because I'm usually glad to have spent the time with people after the fact. But I feel like I, I don't know. And, and that's another way that it feels like we're having to turn this into medicine. <laughs> we're just yes. like, you just got to spend some fucking time with people, man. Like that's uh, whether you want to or not, and you might not want to at first. Like I, I used to really not want to spend time with people unless I, you know, could be drinking before and during. And it's taken a lot of like spending time with people, like prescriptively spending time with people to get to a place where I'm like, no, this is actually no big deal. And I always feel better after the fact. Well, and we have to think about what's in that medicine. So spending time with people, I, I think what's happening in our world is we have to actually relearn how to do that in a way that feels different for us because the world is different. And so we need new skills. What are those skills that we need so that we are, when we are spending time with people, it feels like it feels good. We, we get the good benefit of living longer and we're, we're not feeling lonely because I think we're 
in the presence of people sometimes, but that dread, a lot of it is because the way people communicate, the way we listen, the focus that people have, it, it really is not, it doesn't feel good spending time with people often, right? There's a, there's a lot of interesting things going on. So you don't necessarily have to be with people for hours and hours and, you know, it doesn't have to be an all day thing, but taking these small bite sized things where it's like, okay, listen, let's put a timer on, like, let's hang out for 30 minutes and let's, let's be a little focused and intentional to about getting to know each other and about understanding what's going on. And I, I'm saying this a little more ac- in an academic way. You can definitely make it a little less structured, but this idea of let's, let's connect and ask each other some questions and you know, spend time together that feels like we actually got to know each other. Yeah, because I feel like to your point, like about the skills and how we need to sort of develop them or reclaim them or whatever. It's like with every new technological advancement we have, the 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 other side of that coin is we are probably going to begin to dull or completely lose a skill that we had developed prior to this technology, right? So like the easy thing is like I was telling Jack earlier is like map reading, you know, like orienting yourself, you know, like visually, because we have phones that are just like turn left, turn left right here in like 50 feet, just go right or whatever, or look at the direction of the arrow, you might not even have to know left or right anymore. But like and also with our ability to connect so rapidly, I found I found myself in a place too where like with really close friends, I a lot of those relationships don't get maintained because in the back of my mind is like, well, we're connected through the phone. We're connected through social media. We're connected through FaceTime, meaning they can get at me if they need something or I can get at them. But I've completely lost the part where I'm actually communicating meaningfully or hearing what's going on because it's almost like, it's like you just have like, as long as there's an open line of communication, then that's fine. And then I forget I've lost all these other skills like being present or even interested. Like the other day I was with a couple of friends of mine. We were all watching something. And to your point, there was a moment we were all on our phones, like not just doing the thing like for even for decades before our friendship has been there since childhood pre-phone where we could we could have a just like a, an amazing time without a phone and just talking. And I realized, oh, these are skills like I am that are like become like they're starting to dull a bit. And that is also, I think, compounding the feeling of like somewhat isolation or just like a disconnection that I feel from time to time. So we do something in our family miles called the I, I created this for we did this over Thanksgiving. So we've got 25 people and we do something called the family power hour. And the family power hours, I identify well, somebody in the family. Have I you done that. power hours? Yeah. yeah oh, yeah, yeah. So Where you like 100 shots, shots, of, beer? 100 shots yeah. of beer? No, no, no. Not uh. that kind of power hour. So, <laughs> Dude, wait, so what? I pick, right. <laughs> what not, that's not the power hour. <laughs> <laughs> wait, it's got to be kid friendly. What? It's got to be kid friendly. Dude, Tali, what? <laughs> Nah, all right, go on. I'll, all right, you got my ear. You got my ear. This, this better be good. So, uh, Miles and Jack, I think we need to spend more time together because... It- yeah, yeah. <laughs> certainly. Um, so, but with the Power Hour, I choose one person that is, you know, I've talked to everybody in the family and they don't really talk to each other. And they actually give us a lesson, like some wisdom and things that they've learned in life. And I make all the kids, they all want to stay in the basement and be on social media and play video games, but they have to just come up for power hour. And I, I ask them to fully participate. And it's amazing. You always have to yell for them and say, come up and it's a real hassle. But once we get into it, what's interesting is here is I have an uncle in my family who's a doctor who shared, he was the power hour. And it was amazing to me that you have 25 family members and everything he shared about his life, nobody in the room but me, because I talked to people and listened to them, knew much about him. Like they know mm-hmm. he's an uncle, they know he's a doctor, but they don't know right. anything about his story. They don't know anything about his life, yet yet they've known him their entire lives. So this, this lack of real connection and knowing who people are, I learned some things new about him. I've known him my entire life. And then people started to ask questions and summarize, and it was so cool. And guess what? It was an hour. It was about 45 minutes. After that, everybody dispersed and went and did their own thing. But they left there like feeling like, wow, I actually really respect my uncle. I know him. And I learned something that I can use in my life. And so that's kind of the power of when we are more conscious about the way that we connect. Right. That also sounds very 12-step. You know, like that, that's a lot of AA meetings are just, you know, somebody telling their story for a half hour and then people kind of reacting and interacting with them, which 
again, it's like this prescriptive thing that addresses what ails us, which is that we don't want to do, we don't want to do that. We don't want to listen to people and have to hear them and have to tangle with their humanity. I feel like. right. Or, or like there is a presumption that you already know somebody too. like in the example of your uncle, like I think of like other family members too, who I've every family gathering they're there. I'm like, well, that's so-and-so's brother and they're from here and they did that and now they're retired. But yeah. those like I know five, thi- but I only know those five things. Like yeah. I don't know the, you know, the kinds of trials and tribulations, obviously maybe the health things that we all know as a family they've been through. But the, to the other points, like a lot of those details are lost to the point where I would be like, is this person really my, like, cause I, like, I know who they are, but I couldn't really tell you that I know so much about them. And I think with like, an exercise like that, to your point, Jack, it does feel it's like it's like we we kind of need that structure because left to our own devices, again, like to like at least I can speak personally, those things will begin to just wither away for me. Like if I'm not making a conscious effort and as although it might sound like, wait, why are we doing this whole thing? It's like because the value in that is actually going to be much more additive than just sort of staying like with the status quo or the comfort of like being like, yeah, that's that's my relationship. And that's just kind of how deep it goes. And that's fine. And it's Seeing funny you said left months. to our own devices, literally, right? Yeah, like left. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there, yeah, I think that that really speaks to something like there's a part of me that I've noticed that wants to make the person small reflexively. And like, I have this theory that like it based on I, I pay a lot of attention to like what what movies people like and what the movies like actually tell them and like what the like meanings are like underneath the surface. And like, I I feel like one of the things that I've learned from the movies that were very popular over the past couple decades, and I, I don't know if they're becoming less popular, but like certainly from the late 90s through like the mid teens, it was these movies that told people that they were secretly the most important person on the planet, like The Matrix, Harry Potter, Star Wars, like all all those movies that are like, yeah, actually, you are the one. You're more important than everybody else. And I feel like there's like something, some part of me growing up in the system that I grew up in that rewards individualism and individual achievement that doesn't want to admit the humanity of other people because that means that I'm just one of eight billion me's. Of eight billion the ones. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So like, yeah. From an early age, I I feel like I was taught to admire individual achievement and the math of like one in eight billion, which is closer to the truth than anything you're going to get. Like in uh, like some of these, you know, movie mythologies like that hurts. It makes your life feel meaningless if you are sticking to that paradigm of individualism. And so, yeah, I I feel like that's another way where the system is like pushing us in this one direction that we have to be at least recognize that that's the system of meaning that we're operating within in order to like get away from it, to get away from some of the dangers. Well, Chris, Jack, that that's so honest of you and just vulnerable admitting that that feeling of wanting to be the one i think everybody there's a lot of fantasy about oh i want to matter right so it's like we're wanting something we're wanting to matter i think the shift we want to make though is you you have to be able to matter because there's no one like you you're extremely unique and so there's not really as much competition as we think i mean you know there's there's a lot of different ways that we contribute you know but this the second thing is life it goes in phases so there may be a time in your life where you absolutely need to be focused on individual achievement, right? But most people, if you get too caught up in individual achievement and you don't shift at the right time in your life, that's when you start feeling really lonely and sad because it's it's the law of diminishing returns. 
right? You can achieve so much. And now you might shift to another part of life where that same thing that drove you to individual achievement is no longer satisfying. And so now you need to shift to who are the people around me? Who are my friends? Who are my cheerleaders? Who are, who are, who am I connected to? And so we don't have to look at it as like every single phase of your life, you have to be doing the same thing, but there are, you know, once what now, what is the big question? Okay. I achieved this. Who am I sharing it with? Is it meaningful? Do I even like it? I know a lot of people, they identify these goals. And you know, I was a therapist, by the way, I should actually disclose that before I became a leadership strategist. And so, you know, I had the pleasure of sitting on a couch with people. And one thing that I find is that you achieve so many goals, but then it's like, I'm still just feeling dead inside right? Because there's always another goal. There's always something else that we need to achieve. And so the point is, what is the constant that no matter what you're achieving or not achieving, that makes you feel really good and purposeful and and happy in life? Yeah. For me, like there's like a hard break from those values that I was talking about. And then like, you know, having kids and also I like got into recovery around that time. And like, So I think I was able to like kind of view those things a little bit with a little bit more distance and objectivity. But, you know, it also that new world, that new part of my life, like definitely brought me in contact with into contact with a lot of the tools that I feel like you're talking about, which let's let's actually take a break and we'll we'll come back. I want to hear more about just first of all, like the specifics of like the power hour, but also the specifics of like how people can think about listening to people a little bit more in a in a more engaged and proactive way. So we'll be right back. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. You like to watch new stuff, right, Zygang? I know I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring The Kardashians, of course, and Season 5 promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island, and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. And yeah, so first of all, I'd just be interested in hearing because i think some of the stuff from the world of recovery can be like 
I, I won't like bring it into my day to day life because I'm like, well, that's like a different thing. And like people who aren't in recovery won't necessarily understand that at the same time that I feel like people are talking about like problems that could be serviced from just like, you know, so, some of these things that we're talking about. So I, I'd love to hear more about like the the power hour idea or just like ways that you have seen just, you know, structurally getting people to interact with one another more or, you know, doing that for yourself, how you specifically get yourself to interact with people on a more humane, active, active listening level. Well, you know, it's interesting in the context of recovery, it's when you share your experience, strength and hope. And it's okay not to have to share the entire story of your struggles, but the experience, the strength and the hope is how you live your life on a regular basis that works for you, right? And so a big part of the listening is number one, being able to have some reflective time to be able to know what that is, right? What do I actually, um, I, I think about this a lot is what do I do on a regular basis? I meditate, I do do some journaling. I think a lot about how I'm treating people. You know, I'm really gentle with myself when I make mistakes, but I try to make amends when I do that. And then being able to share that with other people, but also ask questions to create space for other people to share things about their lives. And and a big part of this is when we're connecting with people, there are phases of we don't have to always share the entire war story, right? If it's not appropriate, if it's not the day, if it's not the right venue, but sometimes we we throw the the baby out with the bathwater, we can still just share little bites of like, you know... I see that you're having this struggle with, I don't know what it is, maybe getting up and going to the gym the way that I, this is my strategy for when I don't want to do things, right? I make a call or I get a a part, I get someone that holds me accountable or just kind of sharing some wisdom that might be supportive for each other. And so even if we can kind of infuse that into some of our conversations, that's really important. It's interesting during the power hour, one of the things that I do is I listen so intently to this in this case, my uncle speaking, that I'm able to repeat and summarize almost everything that he said in the entire 45 minutes. And people always find it to be some kind of superhero power, but it's not. I literally am just fully engaged and fully listening, and I'm not allowing my thinking to interrupt my ability to take in the wisdom that he's sharing. And so there's an actual process and strategy to be that good of a listener so that you can get the value out of the experience and the strength and the hope that other people have. Um, so we really miss out when our listening is tainted. How would you say we, like, we most normal, like not normal, but most people who aren't being conscious of this are quote unquote listening, right? Because I'll be like, yeah, I'm, when people talk, I'm hearing what they're saying. And then that's it. But yeah, what are what's sort of like the what are those sort of fine, finer points that are different about those these these ways of listening? So this is almost like a personality test. You have listening personalities, right? So there are mm-hmm. people that listen in a very specific way. So for example, I know some people, I'm trying not to mention names here, but I know some people <laughs> that they are they're a, what I call a plugger, which means that like no matter what you say, I don't care what kind of story you tell, they're always gonna kind of plug something in about themselves or even plug something that benefits them. Then you've got the fact checker, right? That's called so podcasting. Just, okay. Yeah. yeah, podcasting, right? So <laughs> then, you, then you have someone that's like the fact checker where every single time, like you say something, they stop you and you're just trying to tell a story that like whether or not it happened in, you know, 1873 or 74 is not the point, but they will stop you and say something like, are you sure that happened then? What I read was that it happened in, and it's like, that's not that's the point of the story. called being a podcast listener. This is all part of the This is all part of podcast. Okay. Um, And my favorite one is the helper, which I have to be careful about not being that person, but I watch it. And, you know, again, we're gentle with ourselves is when you're a person that someone is maybe telling you a story or they're trying to get some support and you just jump in there without knowing the full context and you're like, context, all you need to do is just just get up and go to the gym every day and just Just, run a mile. Yeah, you heard it, right? Mm -hmm. Just just eat. Someone told me I was like, because I've struggled with. I'm always trying to figure out what to do with weight, you know, up and down and just trying to always eat healthy. And, and it's, it's always been a struggle. So when I ask certain people, they're like, I don't get what the problem is. Why don't you just eat fish and vegetables and then work <laughs> out every day? It's so simple. Oh, just and, like that. Yeah. And, yeah. Just, just, just do that. And then they, then they go and they start like eating their, their, you know, donut with like a six pack abs. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. Thanks for the advice. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he's not really listening to the context. Like the, most important thing that I said in that particular instance was that 
this is hard for me, right? As opposed to, I don't need the solution per se, but I need maybe a listening ear to work through why I think it's hard specifically for me, right? Right. And and again, that's what people want some support. They want you to understand the struggle. They want you to just get their stories and and so that they can feel validated. And after they're validated, then maybe they can be open for solutions. Right. In mm-hmm. in a way, it just sounds like we're we're basically decentering ourselves in these interactions. So whether it's our own urge to demonstrate our knowledge of a topic or our own urge to find a way to make this topic be relevant to me or our own urge to share some kind of wisdom, even though that's not what our person is, the person we're speaking to is asking for. It's sort of this. Yeah, I don't know. It, it feels like it, it, it feels so contrary to like how we normally communicate with each other, too. Where it's like, OK, what say the thing about you now? OK, now I say the thing about me and I heard the thing you said. And now it's time for me to see the thing I said rather than just like this much more effortless version of like, OK, so you just voiced a thing that you are dealing with. And now I can add to that by asking you to continue going along that rather than like, oh, yeah, I've been through that thing, too. And then this would have happened. And then that's that. OK, now what? We don't have anywhere yeah. to go from there. Jack said it. It's our urge to be the one. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> We've got to be the one. We've got to be the center, center of attention. And we all do it in some ways. But if we can of be course. a little aware. Yeah. Yeah. And I do feel like we might be seeing a generational shift with this, like with younger people like we, I, I feel like it might have peaked with like baby boomers being like, you know, self-centered, just like very focused on the self and everything and all the systems were like sort of designed around that. And what, while mental health is not getting better for younger people, I do feel like in some of the things like the polling that you see, they are kind of acutely aware, like they're more likely to have like socialist leanings, like they're more interested in like, like even like in the growing interest in psychedelics, which are like medicines or drugs, like depending on how you use them, that kind of dissolve the ego or like take you out of like the self-centeredness of of like that way of perceiving the world. I do feel like there are some like glimmers of hope, but I think a lot of the mental health problems that we're seeing is like younger people existing in a world that is designed for this completely different paradigm that has been shown to be very, (laughs) very bad for the continued survival of the species. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel like there's a rise in consciousness, but a decline in connection. Yes. Right. So it's like we're really conscious about what's going on. I think people are, I mean, the knowledge you you have access to so much knowledge you have access to to ideas and technology and innovations i mean on on so many levels but then the question is what's going to be the impact long term of us really being able to kind of connect and feel interdependent because really i mean you can put me out in i like to watch those shows like naked and afraid we're out in the woods and I would say to, if they gave me the tool, if they said, well, bring your cell phone and your charger, you wouldn't need the matches. You wouldn't need anything. You have your cell phone and your charger. You can just arrive out there and just look it up, right? Right. <laughs> you, you can just put in, how do you keep warm without matches? I mean, it, it's like, I, you know, do you want to take your cell phone or do you want to take somebody with you? I probably would just take my cell phone. I feel like I could have light. I feel like I can know stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll be good out, out in the woods. Yeah. But that is a rise in my consciousness, but it'll be... The, you know, I, I will underestimate the impact of the loneliness of being in the woods by myself. What? what yeah. Why is it, though, do you think, from your perspective, why it's become so easy to let go of the connection part? Because the connection feels so much better, you know? And I get that there's probably a lot more of, like, these sort of, you know, fleeting distractions we have that have probably taken the place. But, like, it, it is kind of... I'm always surprised when I when I really look back and I'm like, oh, yeah, we've we really don't like we really don't put much stock into that anymore when that really was the lifeblood of our human like our this species for millennia. I think it depends on who you have surrounding you because it can feel better, but it also can feel like a big hassle. It can feel worse. You have a lot of people that are very self-conscious. Um, you really, you know, if you feel like you're being judged constantly, you have people that will just make comments randomly about things. It, it was funny at the, you know, at the, at the end of the pandemic and a lot of people were going back to work and um, there were these comments that we came in and did some support. There are these comments that people were making. Wow, I didn't know you were so short. <laughs> 
Right, we're like, right, wow. Right. I mean, people were just saying these random things. And they're actually considered in some ways they can be insults. They can be microaggressions. Yeah. But it's like in that particular case, why did you just say that? Right. Well, why did why are you yeah. why are you just spewing these things out of your mouth that are causing you to alienate yourself or alienate somebody else? And so, again, there's there's the quality of those connections that I think is really important. Right. Human yeah. contact is great in theory, but have you smelled some of us? Like it's can be. Yeah, yeah. it's a, true. I had a firefighter put his respirator on while he was in line with me at the supermarket earlier this week. Did not feel good. Wait, really? Yeah. He's like, this guy is ripe. Yeah. And I was. Like, oh, 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 he put his. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. That's... That joke did not land. And you know what? <laughs> well, and that's OK. That's why I embrace failure and I cannot be harmed. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> what? But and have you read I, the research around all this stuff in a, you know, they say that there's bad stuff for you in toothpaste, bad stuff in deodorant. I, I have like decided that I'm keeping the bad deodorant and the bad toothpaste, but apparently oh, it's not good. Crystals. You just rub crystals yeah, on your body. No, and I, crystals I, I, don't do anything. <laughs> I've decided I am not doing crystals and I'm not doing uh, natural toothpaste either. But I, no, Miles, I, I smell good. Tell Tell her. I, I smell great. Oh yeah, we, you smell so good. We right? haven't done the we haven't done the show in person for years. Yeah, <laughs> uh. <laughs> I do feel like one thing that I've noticed in myself is that the psychology of like how we interact with one another, modern interactions are are much more curated. Like I, just in comparison, in comparing like my day to day life with people in the past, like where the being being in communities where you know now i have kids now i'm just interacting with other parents and it's not like well i choose they're like top of my list of like people to hang out with they're you know my kids friends parents in some cases and or you know in recovery you're just thrown into a room with other people who have the same problem as you but they are in a lot of cases not the person who you would have ever found yourself in the same room with and in a lot of ways i feel like that is mimicking how people used to live right like you knew your neighbor and interacted with them whether you liked them or not and like your friends were based on who was on your i don't know bowling team <laughs> i think they used to right. bowl a lot <laughs> it's just you know but i i do feel like part of my problem at least is like trying to be like all right is this the perfect interaction is this like you know I uh, putting a lot of pressure on these interactions and like finding the right people to surround myself with is first of all, it can be beneficial for the reasons that you're mentioning. Like you don't want to surround yourself with toxic people, but at the same time, I think I can also like overly curate like in the, in the way that a lot of like media now is just like me s scrolling through 400 movies to figure out like what the best movie is when some of my favorite movie watching experiences were just like back in the day scrolling or you know flipping past tnt and yeah you know a movie's on and you're like well that's the movie you're hanging out with for the next i guess i'll, hour I guess I'll watch two-thirds of this movie yeah exactly yeah. so yeah I, I just wonder if you know being a little more willing to spend time with people whether or not and I guess I guess that's kind of by yeah. necessity. If we're if we're spending time with other people like on a regular basis, that's going to happen, right? Yeah, I I think one of the things if you watch children and animals play together, they seem to have like a system. You know, you'll see little kids; they just go up and they sort of either like they, they kind of tap each other and run. They just start running, and and it's almost like we're in the same world and we're just going to run. Or like the dogs, they they come up and it's like they have a little sniff going on. And, and it almost mm -hmm. seems like all the dogs know and you know you're supposed to like, you know, they, they kind of communicate with each other. I feel like human beings, we don't really have a system. And we see we think we do because we just say hello and, you know, give these greetings. But I think we just need to embrace the awkwardness. There is just some interactions that are more awkward than others, but that's okay. If you stay in there for just a little bit longer, you might have, as you were talking about, Jack, you might create a friend that you never thought you knew. This is why we gravitate too much toward people just like us is we're, we're trying to run away from any feeling of discomfort, any feeling of awkwardness. So if you have a room of people, you're going to gravitate towards someone, you know, you, you need you need a starter. They're from your hometown. They might look like you. And we kind of just deprive ourselves of so many relationships that would be nice, but you just have to kind of get past this initial awkward moment of, I don't know what to say. I don't know what questions to ask, but 
if you've ever had those experiences, it takes just a couple minutes to get there. Then all of a sudden, you know, those people can end up being some really great friends and great connections. Yeah, yeah especially I, if you're different, if they're different from you and you're focusing on like what you can learn from them, like then the more different they are from you, the more you can yes. kind of learn from them, right? Yeah, and in the book, you just have some questions that you ask people. You, I, I, But we have to learn this art of just engaging, putting right. people at ease and being comfortable with ourselves. Yeah, because I, I, to your point, like I was at a event like a couple of weeks ago and I was just standing next to a person who was like, seemingly I was like I don't know what I would have in common with this person but we realized there was like a mutual connection there and just started talking by the end this person who if I was just going off of the sort of same thing I'm like are they from LA do they kind of like do we look like we kind of fuck with the same stuff no not really and then by the end of it they were like super into comedy super into basketball like super into like similar art and that all just happened from just just embracing just sort of like the awkward momentum of being like, Oh, what else? Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. And then just kind of seeing where the conversation leads and yeah, like almost it proves my own instincts wrong where you're like, I, I got everybody figured out mostly. And right. then you're like, Oh no. Like, and then to the point I was talking to my partner, her majesty, I was like, we should kick it with them. Like his partner seemed cool too. Like what, yeah. where did that happen from? And I, I don't know. I think it's, it's because like, I think I've fully, let those skills of like being curious about other people just kind of die too. I think as I think it just comes along with age and I hope everybody listening, look, Jack and I are not just sitting in like dark and like a dank cave, not talking to anyone. I mean, sometimes we do, but yeah, there is like, there is just like this other, I don't know, very basic part of being a human that I realize I've really let kind of disintegrate uh, in this to a certain extent because of how much, like all these things that are at my disposal, whether that be through social media or technology. And I'm, I'm forgetting about the, you know, the good old fashioned analog stuff, you know, talking yeah. to people. Yeah. I, I spend a lot of time really selling this concept because here's the deal, right? You have a limited amount of time. It's just easier to watch Netflix. It's easier to be on the phone. It's easier not to connect. And so what's in it for you? Why, right. why, move through discomfort. Why? Why? Because it does take a little bit of effort and work, right? To connect to different people. It's the answer to so many challenges. And I think one thing that we miss in life is that we have these problems, we have these challenges, even in like addiction, like the answer is the connection, right? It's right. connecting to a higher power, it's connecting to other people. But the answer is like, you have to work it, you have to work it, <laughs> right. right? But the benefit is, oh my gosh, look what look what happened. I surrendered something, life got better and life continued to get better. And now like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm transforming my relationships. And at the end of the day, I am much happier because I put in this effort. And so that is the, the core of this is we have to learn the skills. And so their habits that you do every single day that helps us to recover from disconnection. Right. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, Talia, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Yeah. Uh, where can people find you, follow you, read you, all that good stuff? So I'm very active on LinkedIn. And so you can just kind of uh, go ahead and find me on LinkedIn, but also Talia Fox Speaks on Instagram. Uh, my book was released on November 28th. It's The Power of Conscious Connection, Four Habits to Transform How You Live and Lead. Um, really excited to share this with the world. I want to start a movement where we're just raising our consciousness and our connection so that we can actually leverage technology and really create a world where we're not zombies, but we're connected people doing amazing things and feeling really good about who we are and what we're up to on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah. And uh, is there a work of media that you've been enjoying? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I enjoy so many things, um, and I do listen to a lot of uh, a lot of spiritual things. Um, I, I've been posting a lot of things out on the lake and talking about meditation and getting really quiet and more connected. But anyway, there, there's so many things. I don't know if I could even pick just one. Okay. Miles, where can people find you? Is there a work of media you've been enjoying? You can find me rummaging through old Tupperware full of gravy as I find every last Scraping. bit available to me. Just, just <laughs> biting the lids. And just in a cupboard somewhere? I've shown that I've learned nothing. 
at all. <laughs> um, but you can find me at Miles of Gray, wherever they have the at symbols. You can find Jack and I on our basketball podcast, Miles and Jack Got Mad Boosties, where we talk about the NBA and all the fun around the league. Uh, and if you like 90 Day Fiance and you like a little bit of frivolous reality like me, then check out uh, 420 Day Fiance. That's the show I host with Sophia Alexandra. Um, tweet I've been enjoying, Trash Jones tweeted, I'm doing an Irish hello saying I'll probably be there but never showing up. Oh <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that's one move. It's my move, but we're working we're working on it. Yeah. We're working on it. You can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at the Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Footnote. Where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song that we think you might enjoy. Miles, what song do we think people might enjoy? Uh, we're going to go out on a Guyanese, like African folk group. They're called uh, Yoruba Singer. Uh, and this is a track that actually came on the 70s. I heard it like on NPR over the weekend, but I just really loved, you know, I like I like hearing groups of people sing. Like there's something I think to what we've been talking about, connection. Like one vocalist is always great, but sometimes when you have multiple voices, it just gives something a little bit extra. Mm. Uh, and this track is called Black Pepper by the Yoruba Singers. So just check it out. It's like an old track. The recording quality is janky mm. but you know what it gives it that little bit of character that makes the song really fun to listen to so yeah black pepper garuba singers all right well the daily zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app apple podcast or wherever you listen to your favorite shows that's gonna do it for us this morning we are back this afternoon to tell you what is trending yes, and will. we will talk to y'all then bye 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 3xxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxxx